Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship, Cyprus, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. It's relatively easy to feel overwhelmed with the trials and complications we face daily. Thank you, Jesus, for your living word, full of infinite wisdom and knowledge. Join us as we go through a sermon series in the book of Proverbs called Skillful Living. Well, good morning. In the summer of 2013, um, my wife and I went through some major life changes. In June of that year, I started uh, a job as the pastor of a small Bible church in Dallas. In July, we bought our first home, and just to kick things up a notch, we decided to start having children and welcome a baby girl in August. So all of those major life changes in the matter of about uh, two months. And uh, needless to say, I quickly realized that I was in way over my head, way over my head. And I needed God to come through for me in a huge way. I needed to know how to live well. Specifically, I needed to know how to take care of my house. I needed, more importantly, I needed to know how to take care of God's church. And probably most importantly, I needed to know how to take care of this precious baby girl that God had entrusted to me. And I share that with you this morning because it illustrates a reality that as we go through life, we find ourselves in situations that require us to know how to live well. Maybe it's a problem at work that no class that we ever took in school prepared us for. Or perhaps we're dealing with something, one of our kids is dealing with something and we have no idea how to parent them through it. Or maybe we've got an issue in a friendship or in our marriage and we don't know the way forward. Sometimes these, these challenges are personal. Maybe we're battling doubt crippling anxiety, or a formidable addiction. Regardless of the shape it takes, time and time again, as we go through life, we need to know what to do. We need to know how to live well, which begs the question, can we do that? Can we live well? That's what I wanna talk about this morning. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We're gonna be in chapter one. Proverbs chapter one. And as you're turning there, uh, I'm Jeremiah Meadows. I'm the community groups pastor here at Bayou City in Cyprus. I love being on staff here. And it's my joy to share from the scriptures with you this morning. Johnny is over in central Texas, guest preaching for one of his friends in what I like to refer to as God's country as a longhorn. So he's not with us. He's, he's blessing another congregation this morning So I'm going to be opening the word with you. But we are beginning a new series today on the book of Proverbs called Skillful Living. And as we look at the first uh, seven verses, we're going to be looking at the the topic. the, The topic for today is wisdom. And as we walk through the text, we'll find out if we can live well. So Proverbs chapter 1 verses one through seven. Let's jump in and we'll just look at first one, uh, verse one for now and then we'll kind of stop and talk about that. Verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So it says the Proverbs of Solomon. What is a proverb? In Hebrew, the term essentially means a comparison. 
a comparison. Proverbs are verbal pictures of reality. They use imagery to drive home a truth about life. And the title says that these Proverbs belong to Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, this is the same Solomon that wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. If you were with us a couple years ago in community groups, we actually went through that book. And it tells us here that he was the son of David. He was the son of King David, which the scriptures describe as the man after God's own heart. And then we see that he was king of Israel. Solomon reigned as king after David, his father. And when he became king, Solomon was only about 20 years old. Can you imagine being king or president at 20 years old? I can imagine that he felt in way over his head, and we see from the scriptures that he felt that way. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, he had an interchange with God, and Solomon, um, basically God was like, what do you want from me? I, I, I will give you whatever you want. What do you want? And Solomon asked for wisdom and discernment. And God was so pleased that he didn't ask for something more selfish like riches or fame. And so God said, I'm going to give you wisdom and discernment, and I'm even going to give you wealth and honor because you didn't even ask for those. And the text tells us that actually he was going to, God told Solomon, I will make you wiser than anyone who has ever lived. And so I share all of that with us this morning because it tells us that Solomon is well qualified to be our teacher when it comes to how to live, how to have wisdom. And thankfully, since Proverbs was included in the scriptures, it wasn't just people in Solomon's day that were able to glean from his wisdom. We get to learn from his wisdom as well. So why did Solomon write the book of Proverbs? Look at verses two through five with me. It says this, it says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands, understands obtain guidance. So verse 2 makes it really clear why Solomon wrote Proverbs. It says that he wrote it for his audience to know wisdom and instruction. He wrote Proverbs for this reason, to give us wisdom, to give us wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Simply put, wisdom is the skill of being able to live well. It's the skill of being able to live well. It's not just knowing cold, hard facts like you would when you cram for an exam and memorize information and then regurgitate it, and then it leaks out of your brain and you never remember it again. It's, it's more than that. It's actually has to do with receiving instruction, according to verse three, in wise dealing, in wise dealing. So it's not just knowing what is right, it is knowing how to do what is right, choosing what is best. And so Solomon wants God's people to be able to live well. And to do that, for today's purposes, we're gonna talk about two skills that he, t that he prescribes as part of being able to live well. And the first skill is the skill of making great choices. The skill of making 
great choices. And as the skill to live well, wisdom includes a variety of things. It includes a variety of things. And I want to focus on three aspects of wisdom that we see here in these verses that enable us to make great choices. Okay, and I want to just give you these now on the front end so that we don't get lost along the way. The first part of thing about wisdom is that wisdom is intellectual. It is intellectual. The second is that wisdom is also practical. It is practical. And third, wisdom is moral. It's intellectual, it's practical, and it's moral. Now let me back up and, and, and explain that. First of all, wisdom is intellectual. It has a truth component. In verse two, it says to know wisdom and instruction. Instruction. To understand words of insight. And verse four says one of the facets of wisdom involves knowledge. He says, give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. And then verse five says that the wise should hear and increase in learning. And so while wisdom is more than just knowledge, it's more than just cold hard facts, it is nothing less than knowledge. It has a truth component. There are propositions that we must know to become wise, to make good choices. Now, what else do these verses teach us about wisdom? It's intellectual. I said it's also practical. Wisdom is something that is lived out. It is applied in daily life. According to verse 5, once someone understands, they obtain guidance. Wisdom gives us direction for what to do in our daily lives. And finally, as I said earlier, wisdom is also moral. It is moral. It involves doing what is right, what is just, and what is good. If you look at verse 3, he says there, to receive instruction in wise dealing, and then he unpacks that, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Righteousness, justice, and equity. And, and I just want to briefly talk about those. Righteousness is being right in God's eyes. Wisdom involves being righteous. That's about being right, not, not just doing what is right, but being right, having good godly character. It is about being holy. It's about what, what, who we are as much as what we do. But it also includes, as part of being moral, wisdom includes justice, doing what is right by others. So if you think about Righteousness is, is kind of who we are, and in relation to God, justice is how we interact with our fellow men. It is fighting for those who are taken advantage of, oppressed, and looked over. And then we also see the word there, equity. It involves living with equity, and that is living in a way that sees the image of God in all people, regardless of where they're from, the color of their skin, how much money they make or don't make, where they live, or anything else about them. And so these were given to us to make us wise, to be people who make good choices, and part of that is being people who are moral. And Solomon wrote Proverbs to help us, to help God's people receive wisdom, which includes the skill of making great choices. So if you and I want to be people who live well, we must consistently make great choices. We must consistently make great choices. To build the kind of life that you want, the kind of life that I want, we must consistently make great choices. It's not enough to know the right thing 
to do, we've got to actually do the right thing. We have to choose what, it's best, what is best. That's how we avoid life's pitfalls and that's how we end up where we want to go. That's how we live well. And the challenge is that we can't just do this one time. It's not about one decision that we make, although some of our decisions are bigger than others and they have bigger consequences. We've got to make good choices again and again and again because life presents us with choices every single day. And living well is something we have to do on the daily. It requires consistently making great choices, becoming the kind of person, like I said a moment ago, that not only knows what is right, but actually chooses to do what is right time after time. So I wanna just pause and, and ask some diagnostic questions. This is for yourself. These are rhetorical, but, and, and these are not for any of us to feel ashamed, but just to kind of take stock and kind of gauge where we are when it comes to making great choices. Do I typically make great choices? Ask yourself this. Do I do that consistently? If the answer is no, the good news is that we can change. We can become the kind of person who makes great choices, and that can start today. We can admit that we've been making poor choices and ask God for help, ask him for the grace to help us make better choices. According to verse three, it says that we receive instruction in wise dealing. What that tells me is that God wants to give us the gift of learning the skill to make great choices. He's not out to try to make this hard for us. He's not playing hide and seek, making us have to search all over. He just wants us to come to him and ask for help in doing this and commit to being somebody who will learn to do it. So making great choices, consistently making great choices is a requirement if we want to live well. But it's not the only skill required. Solomon also wrote Proverbs to give us another skill. Look back with me at verse two. In the second half there, he says, to understand words of insight. And so we see here that Solomon wrote Proverbs to give us another skill, and that skill is the ability, the way I, I describe it, is to think straight. To think straight. To help us become people who think straight. In the second half of verse 2, he says to understand words of insight. To understand something, you have to be able to not just hear it, but to comprehend it to comprehend it. Understanding involves figuring out how different truths relate to one another, applying logic and reasoning to things. And we are to understand or comprehend, he says something specific, he says words of insight. Now insight's not just a word that we throw around in our regular conversation. What does that mean? To have insight means that you're able to hear what is said and look at what is obvious, kind of the surface level of truth and pick up on the things below that are not so obvious, kind of those deeper meanings and deeper levels. It is the ability to read between the lines. And Solomon explains this skill of straight thinking even more for us. He continues the discussion down in verse six. Look there. He says, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. When we encounter the Proverbs, first it often feels like entering a strange world or learning a new language. Anybody here ever take Spanish or French in school? Maybe German? Okay, more of you took it than that. You guys are like, that wasn't rhetorical. Um, 
when you first enrolled, first got it going, it was, it was mind-boggling, at least for me. When I took Spanish, I'm like, these are the same alphabet for the most part, but I still don't understand this. So you had to learn the rules and had to learn the way that, that uh, you know, grammar and all of that. There are new terms. There was new, new, new grammar. When it comes to the Proverbs, there's new terms. There's new concepts that we don't get immediately. But as we stick with it, asking God to give us the humility to receive his instruction, seeking to learn from him, little by little, we start to, get the, to, to learn the language, to get the concepts. It starts to make sense. And although the Proverbs are riddles, they have, they, they, some of them are hidden sayings that require a certain type of thinking to understand. Over time, God gives us that understanding as we commit ourselves to him and seek to learn from the wise. What was foreign begins to come familiar as we sit at the feet of the wise. So Solomon wrote Proverbs so that God's people might learn to think straight, so that we would become men and women who can process the deep truths of life. And if you and I want to be people who live well, which I'm assuming we all do, we have to find out how to think straight. Living well requires being a great thinker. We have to learn how to think on our feet to see what is in front of us and dig deeper to see what is beneath the surface. And let me pose some more questions for us, just diagnostics to kind of gauge where we are in our ability to think straight. How would I describe my ability to think straight? Am I able to think things through or do I struggle to figure things out? Again, it's okay if we're still learning. That's the goal. We should be learning until the day that we die. We should be lifelong learners. Here's the thing. Just make sure that you don't give up or even worse, that you don't let learning how to think straight be something that you just don't even value, that you could care less about. But here's another question. Who do I know that does think straight and how can I intentionally learn from them? Good news is that if we don't have the answers, there are some people who might have more answers than we do. And they're more experienced and they have more wisdom than we do. And we can go get around them. I bet everybody in here knows one person that you would say is wise. And how can you intentionally learn from them? Because as Solomon says, the way to become wise is to listen to the wise. It's to listen to the wise. And one final question for us as a diagnostic, and probably this might be the most important. Am I willing to do what it takes to find out how to think straight? Am I willing to do what it takes to find out how to think straight? Because the only way to find out is to get started, and we will never start if we don't make an intentional decision to do that. So we can live well, but we have to find out how to think straight. We have to consistently make great choices and we have to find out how to think straight. Now, there is a key principle in this book, in this passage, that not only unlocks everything we've been talking about, but it actually is kind of the key that unlocks the entire book of Proverbs. If you're like me, you know, sometimes you just want to know, hey, what's the main thing? What's that one thing that I need to know? Solomon is going to give that to us in verse 7, Okay. Pay attention here. Let's read it together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
So this verse tells us where to start. It tells us the core thing that we need to know. And he starts there with the phrase, the fear of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean we should cower in fear, that we should be afraid of God? Not exactly. The fear of the Lord is more about having a deep sense of respect for God that is rooted in the fact that he is so much bigger, so much stronger, and so much holier than we are. It's reminding ourselves that he's the creator and we're the creature. It's reminding ourselves that we are temporary. We are, we are finite. He is eternal and infinite. It is recognizing that he has all power. He has all authority. And it's having a humble attitude before him like a subject would bow before a king. It's a rightful disposition that's based on those realities. So fearing the Lord is taking him seriously because he is God and we are not. And I would say it's also about loving obedience, loving obedience. And to put it plainly, if I were to have to define it, those are kind of descriptions of it, I would say it this way. To fear the Lord is to humbly learn from God and do what he says. To humbly learn from God and do what he says. And Solomon says that this fear is the beginning of knowledge. And in another chapter, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, he says it almost the same way, except he says it's the beginning of wisdom. So the guiding principle, kind of the core thing that we need to know for today's chapter, today's verses, but also the entire book is this reality that Taking God seriously, humbly learning from him and doing what he says is the beginning of learning how to live well. But what does this mean that it's the beginning? What does that mean? Does it, does it mean it's like step one, kind of like when you cook and you have a recipe and step one is to cube the meat or whatever it is that you're supposed to do? Is it like that and then you just move on to step two? Actually, it's, it's different than that. Fearing God is the foundation of wisdom. Living well is all about submitting ourselves to God and staying submitted to him. It starts there and it continues with that same heart posture, that same attitude. And it might be helpful to think about it the way another um, pastor describes it. A guy named Ray Ortland writes this. He says, what your ABCs are to reading Shakespeare what playing the scales are to performing Bach, what two plus two is, uh, two plus two equals four is to doing calculus, the fear of the Lord is to wisdom. We start there and we never leave it behind. Our search for reality and ultimate truth can go wrong, not only because of miscalculations along the way, but also because of one grand blunder at the start, leaving God out and making ourselves the judges of everything. And sadly, a lot of people make that error. They leave God out. They think that they can find truth apart from him. And the way that we know that is because Solomon finishes verse seven this way. He says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. A fool doesn't just disregard wisdom and instruction and say, oh, I don't need that. They despise it. They say it's worthless. They reject God and his ways. They choose to believe that he doesn't know what he's talking about and they supplant their own knowledge and their own wisdom for God's wisdom to their own demise. 
And the book of Proverbs is replete with examples of that. If you look at it, our, our image for the series, if you don't mind, throw that back up on the screen. Um, there's a tree and there's two paths. And that's the way the book of Proverbs is gonna talk about life. You kind of have two options. We live in a society that wants to like create a third option in between, but there are two options. You either fear the Lord and walk in his ways, you humbly obey him in love, or you say, forget you, I don't need you, you don't know what you're talking about, and you pave your own path to your own destruction. That, that's the way the Proverbs talks about life. It's option A, option B. You can try to create a third option, but they don't exist. And for our modern minds, we like to kind of downplay such black and white truth to, to kind of supplant it with our own thing. But what the scriptures and what eternity past will demonstrate is that is really the way the world works. We either fear the Lord and walk in his wisdom and walk in his ways, or we don't. As I got to thinking about all of this, I thought if I were to stop the sermon right now, this would be a really good moral call to be better people, to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, to try harder, to be better. But that would have nothing to do with the way that real change happens and the way that life works and the way that God is honored and glorified. So as I was thinking about all of this, I couldn't help but think about Jesus. I mean, after all, he is Lord, and it's talking about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And here's what I realized while reflecting on Jesus' own teachings throughout the Gospels. At the very end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus taught us that everyone who hears his words and does them is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. We just sang about this, by the way. When the storm came, the floods came, that house stood firm because it had built on the rock the foundation of Jesus' teaching. And Jesus said, on the contrary, those who hear Jesus' words are like fools who build their houses on the sand. And when the storm comes, the house, that person gets washed away because they were not founded on a firm foundation. So you can see Jesus is upholding this idea from Proverbs 1, but he's saying that it pertains to him and his teachings. Well, how does that work? Let me, let me remind you of a couple of other passages. At Jesus' transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, you remember he went up on the mountain and he took Peter, James, and John with him. And while he was up on the mountain, this really kind of crazy thing happened he started radiating white. It was like he was glowing. His clothes were, were super white. And there on the mountaintop, uh, Moses and Elijah appeared. And God, the Father, spoke from heaven. He said these words. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, which is the same thing he said at Jesus' baptism back at the beginning of his ministry. And then he adds this other phrase. He says, listen to him. Listen to him. And if you remember what happens next is Peter, James, and John can start to see again. And when they do, Moses is gone. Elijah is gone. And what that, did, what that means is that Jesus is the fulfillment of what Moses and Elijah stand for. Moses stands for the law Elijah stands for the prophets. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. It had prepared the way for him. It prepared for 
his teaching, which would come and give us the completion, the rest of the story. And we know that that's what Luke, I'm sorry, Matthew meant by what Luke records for us in his gospel. In Luke 24, after Jesus had risen, there's an account where he's walking with the two men on the road to Emmaus. And as he's walking with them, they don't know who he is. They don't recognize him, but they're talking about what had happened, how he had been arrested, how he had been crucified, how he had been buried and how everything in Jerusalem was in chaos. And then in verse 27, Luke writes this. He says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And I share all of these verses with you because I really want to make something clear. If you listen to anything I say today, please hear this. As the crucified, buried, and resurrected Lord of all, Jesus is the fulfillment of all truth. He is perfect wisdom in human form. And as our risen King, Jesus is the master teacher. So if we want to know how to live well, what we must ultimately do is humbly learn from Jesus and do what he says. He doesn't just know the way, he is the way. He doesn't just teach the truth, Jesus is the truth. And Jesus doesn't just have the ability to help us live well, he is the life and he will give us eternal life if we will forsake ourselves, our own efforts, our own wisdom and trust him his finished work on the cross, and his resurrection that has defeated sin and death. So we can live well, and even more than that, we can live forever if we will humbly learn from Jesus and do what he says. This week I saw a post online that a woman shared about her 81-year-old mom graduating from college. Anybody else see that? A couple people. It's pretty awesome. There's this woman with lightning white hair, bifocals, I believe, if I remember correctly. She's got her cap and gown on, her little sash thing, and she's got a smile as wide as the Grand Canyon. And the daughter pointed out that in order to get there, her mom didn't just go through four years of regular old college. She had navigated COVID college, all the online learning and all the chaos. And I think about that and living well for this woman and this season required learning new things, making great choices and not giving up. And she did it. She did it. I share that with us as we close this morning because as the old saying goes, it's never too late. It's never too late. So if you are here today, it doesn't matter if you're 14, 24, 44, 84, or any other age, each and every one of us can live well. God has given us his word so that we can do that, and he's given us his son so that we can do that. And if we will enroll in the school of wisdom under our King Jesus, the master teacher, we can become men and women who live well. The question is, will we do that? Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, it's so tempting to try to be our own experts, to rely on our own wisdom, our own savvy. We do it all the time. 
But our life and history past teaches us that to do that is foolishness and it doesn't end well. We don't have what it takes, but you do. And you sent Jesus to make a way for us and to teach us and to guide us and to be the way for us. And so we look to him. We ask that you would help us to have a heart of humility, to have a posture of I'm a lifelong learner and I don't have it figured out, but I trust that you do, God, and so I will learn from you. Help us to be disciples, to be students of your son. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna um, enter into a time of prayer at this time, so if you would, if you're part of the prayer team, go ahead and make your way to the front. And then one of the other things that we have resumed doing over the last couple, uh, maybe about a month or so, is we are gonna pass the baskets as a way to worship, to give of our tithes and offerings. So if you're on the front row and you've got a basket underneath you, if you would go ahead and pass that to the folks on your left or right. But we'll go ahead and stand and sing. And if you would like to be prayed over, please come forward. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Cypress app to find community in the body of Christ.